All right. Why don't you turn to Genesis chapter 1, please. The message entitled, What About Creation? We're going to use Genesis 1-1 as our main text. Um, do you believe everything is the result of evolution or that God created it? You know, there are some Christians that believe in theistic evolution, that God began the creation, then he let it go with evolution. They try to make a hybrid out of it, which is crazy. So there's people who call themselves Christians that do not have a biblical view of creation. And they thoroughly believe that it's right. We want to answer that question, what about creation, by looking here at the first verse of Genesis, a declarative statement of the entire creation of the cosmos. And it's described by three factors. Let me read here verse 1 of chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you know how much more God could have said? He didn't try to persuade anybody. This is a proclamation. I did it, whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not, tough. That's what it says. The three factors that follow that we want to hang our thoughts on. First, the time of creation is given here. Second, the God of creation. And thirdly, the totality of of creation. The time of creation. Notice the inception of creation is stated in the beginning. The word beginning, as you know, means uh, several things, depending on the context. But basically, first, it means beginning, and second, chief, best, or choice part. The context of our text has the framework of creation in mind. Context is very important. Therefore, it is marking out the starting point of creation. Now, much that I'm going to say is very obvious and repetitive purposely. Because it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This introduces time as man knows it, chronological time. That which um, goes from one point forward to another. There's a starting point. The implication being that time, as we know it, did not exist in this fashion prior to the creation. Time itself, being temporal, was created and came out to be at a set point in time, and it's introduced here in the beginning. The Gospel of John, if you remember, opens with these words, In the beginning was the word. The article is not present before the word beginning there in John's gospel. Therefore, the declaration indicates going back earlier than this first verse of Genesis to timeless eternity before time began chronologically. Past, present, future. So John's gospel goes back further than verse 1 of Genesis. Notice the declaration of time having a time of inception follows that it has an ending time also. You cannot have a starting time without an ending time any more than you can have a starting point without an ending point. The nature of time as man knows it is temporal. It's running down, forward, 
We've got about four and a half hours left of this day. The minutes are ticking away up there. <laughs> you will not get them back. Time has three dimensions, as I've mentioned, past, present, and future. The same word is used for the beginning of the year in Deuteronomy eleven twelve. So the context is very important. You'll see a word used, but the context is important. The same text is marked by the antonym, the end of the year. And so once again, we measure time as we know it chronologically. We understand eternal time only that it never ends. But it also has no past, present, or future in its nature, in its sphere. Now, notice the declaration about the beginning of time can only lead us to one conclusion by way of deduction. If time was introduced at a set time, if time is temporal, if time is winding down forward, if time indicates all these things, it is headed towards this ending point that nobody knows in terms of length of time. But it's out there. Therefore, what existed before time as we know it has to be eternity. Time came out of eternity. As we'll see when the Lord sets up the kingdom after the judgment, it goes back into eternity, the new heaven, the new earth. That which is by nature infinite, that which has no end, that which is not bound by the limitations of temporalness. Therefore, from the very beginning, God revealed to man that after this period of time, what awaits us again is eternity with God. Or separated from God, depending on your choice of whether Jesus is Savior and died for you or not while you're alive. Which means that God knew all along that he would create the world, man, and that all of it would be ruined by man, then that he would work out the plan of redemption through salvation history so that each man and woman would be able to spend eternity with him in glory by repenting of their sins. He knew all this. He can't learn anything. Temporal time and eternal time is illustrated in a way is, you know, we, we sit right on the parade route. And uh, if you're here for the Rose Parade, you know, when you're sitting here in the corner, you know, it begins over in Orangethorpe. And, um, and when you're here, you're, you're, you're in the present, but you haven't reached the present of the parade. The present is still in the past over there. And you don't see the parade until it gets to you. And you only see one square at a time one float at a time in the present location of time that you're in. And while you're looking at all those things, time is running forward. And so is the parade. But if you get up on the Goodyear blimp, 
it is possible for you to see the beginning, the middle, and the end all at one time. That's God. He lives in the eternal present. He can see everything at the same time. Something that we have no potential or capacity for. Do you believe the opening verse of Genesis? If you do, then you won't have any problem with the rest of the Bible. That's the most difficult verse. That's, it's a great place to put it. <laughs> you have no problem with the flood, Jonah, and the big sea monster. None of those things. then your worldview will be biblical and not a worldview of humanism that denies God in the plain proclamation and revelation of his creation and the redemption of man stepping out from eternity into man's time domain. That God stepped out of eternity into time domain of man to deliver him. Wow. John 1, 1 and 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory. The glory begotten of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. He did that out of love. Uh, no one forced Him. Nobody convinced Him. He did it because He loves us. We are... Um, Living in a temporal time of man, but one day we will enter eternity, that time domain that has neither past, present, or future, to be with Jesus or to be separated from him. That's what the Bible teaches. John put it this way in John three seventeen and 19. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And so every person will stand before God responsible for their own decision where they spend eternity. Once you give your last breath, there is no second chance. There is no second opportunity. It's done. The time of creation was the beginning of time as we know it. Temporal. The first thing Genesis teaches here, which is important about creation. Because, you know, the evolutionary process says all things continue as they were from the beginning, right? And they teach a lot of stuff, and we'll be getting into some of that. Notice, secondly, now, the God of creation, because we've got to look at him. He's the one that did it, right? Who is he? The identity of the one creating is God. The word God is Elohim. It's in the plural. The word occurs 35 times in chapter 1, from verse 1, to chapter 2, verse 3. 35 times. You think he wants you to know who's doing this? <laughs> The word is found over 2,570 times in the Old Testament and also used for heathen gods at times. 
the word that ends with a suffix in the Hebrew, I am, indicates a plural form. You have angelic orders of cherubs, well, cherub without the S, and seraph, which is singular. Cherubim, serabim is plural. Elohim is plural. You have that in Genesis 3, 24 and Isaiah 6, 6, both of those ranks of angels. Now, the God of creation, Elohim, is described as a trinity. Here, the plural confirms what the Bible teaches, that God is a trinity. The name El is, in its root, meaning mighty one, strength indicating one. The name Allah, in its root, signifies to swear or, and is similar to the Aramaic word, meaning two. And the name Elohim is a plural ending in attesting to the compound unity of three, used as a proper name for the Creator God. Who is eternal? Psalm one forty eight five, uh, Proverbs eight twenty two through twenty seven speaks about uh, the Son, who is eternal, who was there. Um, the Bible is very very clear. By the way, in the Book of Daniel it says, and, and what is the name of His Son? Ever read that? <laughs> now the nature of God as a Trinity is taught consistently from Genesis. To revelation the God of creation reveals himself in the opening verse here of Genesis the greatest place as I said in the beginning God Elohim created the heavens and the earth now the conversation of the Trinity about creation regarding man affirms his Trinity by the use of the plural pronoun it's in Genesis 1 26 if you look at your Bible, there says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Three plural pronouns. Who's God speaking to? Our. The horny toes and lizards? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In our image, our likeness. The image and likeness in Hebrews, parallelism of compassion compliments to describe something completely the phrase without form and void as we'll see next week in verse 2 serves the same parallel of hebrew language the complete condition there without form and void when moses was addressing the children of israel in what is called the shema of israel in Deuteronomy 6, 4, he uses the plural form also. Listen, hear, O Israel, the Yahweh, our Elohim, the Yahweh is one. Now, the word for one in that verse is akkad, a compound unity of one, and is used for a man and a woman becoming one flesh and for Pharaoh's dream being one. A compound unity of one. There is another word, Yahid, that means an absolute one that Moses could have used, but he did not use. 
Not three gods, but one God in three persons. When you think of the Trinity, you must not add. You must multiply. One times one times one is one. Do not add. Now, the manner by which God created is unique. The word created is distinct from two other words that are used in the record of creation for us. The word created here is bara. It means created from nothing. Divine activity, ex nilo. The eternal created the beginning of temporal, physical matter and energy. Ask any evolutionist, how did it start? We don't know. What was the cause? We don't know. So you don't know the cause, but you've built this whole system of belief? Wow. The word, by the way, is used exclusively of God. You and I can go down to Home Depot and buy material and build things, but you can't speak them into existence. (laughs) It'd be nice, it'd be cheaper, faster. The word is found in chapter 1 and 2, in verse 1 of chapter 1, 21, 27, and then chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. We have eight divine acts in six days that are recorded for us in the creation. Again, the first verse for the creation of the heaven and the earth. Chapter 1, verse 21, for the animals. So God created great sea creatures, every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Its kind, its kind, its kind is going to be repeated. Okay? So animals, its kind. Fish, its kind. Fruit, its kind. All right? The seed is in itself. 127 of Genesis. For the creation of man. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and females create other males and females. Not horses. Not monkeys. Not frogs. But human beings. Genesis 2.3 For God's blessing of the seventh day and the sanctification of it, because in it he rested from all his words, God had created. Created and made. Then, for the history of the heavens and the earth, when they were created, all of these have the word bara, in the day the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Chapter 2, verse 4. Bara. Two other words are used that have to do with using existing materials to construct. So God created everything, and then he uses these two other words to tell you what he did with that stuff. One is the word asa, and it's translated made in our Bible. 1-7 of Genesis, listen. Thus God made asa, the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmaments, and it was so. The space, 
outer space and our atmosphere will fly. The separation of the water from the space. One sixteen. Then God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made stars also. So out of the material, he made these things. Genesis one twenty five, And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind. Cattle according to its kind. Everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. You keep hearing its kind? After its kind. No transitions. No evolution. It's kind. 2-2. Two, two. On the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he has done. Affirming it. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his works which God had created and made. Chapter 2, verse 3. All those words are asa. The other word is the word yatsur. And it's translated formed. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into the nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Chapter 2, verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. Last one, 2.19. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. God uses very specific language, creating the material, the substance from nothing, and assembling it and forming it. Very detailed. You know, one of the most uh, inspiring and thrilling recent disclosures of astronomers is that there is a great empty space in the north in the nebulous of constellation of Orion, a heavenly cavern so gigantic they say that the mind of man cannot comprehend it or and so brilliantly beautiful that words cannot adequately describe it. Listen to it. All astronomers agree there is a huge opening in Orion, which is perhaps more than 16 trillion, 16, 740, with three sets of zero, miles in diameter. The diameter of the Earth's orbit is 186 million miles, which in itself is incomprehensible to man. Yet the opening into the heavenly cavern of Orion is 90,000 times as wide. In other words, there could be 30,000 solar systems like ours with a sun in the middle of each across the entrance of the opening in the north and still have room to spare. Now, do you think that happened from an explosion? It was just a chance of evolution. It's a closed system. Everything has to exist as it is or it can't exist. 
when you have a child, it isn't born and then he gets all his organs in the evolutionary stages. <laughs> He's born intact with all of them or he can't live. It's a closed system. Now, God reveals himself as the creator that man not fall prey to the lies and deceptions of man. Polytheism, the belief in the multiplicity of gods who have different powers and authorities. Do you know how many people believe that? Some of us believe that before we were Christians. Pantheism, the belief that everything is God, not separating God from nature. Hinduism, the new age. Pantheism comes from the Greek word, all is God, which really is monism. In contrary to the Christian view of monotheism, one God in three persons. There's tritheism, a belief in three gods. Dualism, the belief of two gods, good and evil. It's taught as Persian Zoroasterism or what the Gnostics of the second century taught. Same thing. Atheism, a belief that there is no God. A, before the word, it negates it. A, no, theo, God. No God. Materialism, which is the belief that physical matter is the only reality and that well-being and world possessions constitute the greatest good and highest value in life. Years back, there was a bumper sticker. You would, might remember it. The one who dies with the most toys wins. I tell you, we, 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 people should not display their intelligence on their car bumpers. They really shouldn't. Deism professes the existence of a personal God who created the world but then withdrew himself and left it to be governed by itself, by nature and law, also called theistic evolution that I mentioned in the beginning. There's fatalism that professes that fate and chance is the result of the present creation. Now Paul the Apostle confronts these beliefs and all others that we have not mentioned, as confused and corrupt teachings declaring that man has twisted, suppressing the truth of God in unrighteousness, that they are without excuse from the evidence of creation, and their thoughts being foolish, their hearts become darkened, therefore professing themselves to be wise, they become fools in Romans chapter 1. And he deals with conscience in chapter 2, verse 15. When you reject the truth, you are open for every lie. You embrace it, because how are you going to measure false truth? You have to have a true measure of truth to measure how far off the false measure of, of that deception is. 
The revelation of God's detailed creation is given that man not fear or worship any aspect of creation. And yet, you know, today, this is a big thing. We're, we're into worship of today. PETA is big business. I mean, people worship their animals. Don't get me wrong. I love animals. They're animals. I don't put them in a buggy and push them down the mall. People do. Listen to Deuteronomy 4.19. And take heed lest you lift your eyes to the heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. God made the sun, the moon, the stars, everything so that you and I can enjoy them and benefit from them, not to worship them or to fear them. Twice in the Ten Commandments, man is told to not make any image and likeness of things in heaven and earth beneath the waters. It's idolatry, Exodus 20, verse 4, and Deuteronomy 5, 8. Idolatry is denounced by all the prophets of the Old Testament. All three persons of the Godhead are co-equal, eternal, without beginning, infinite, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. The Father says through Isaiah, I am the first and I am the last, in Isaiah 44, 6. John tells us that the Son said, I am the first and the last, in Revelation 1, 17. The Holy Spirit is called the eternal spirit in Hebrews 9, 14. Co-equal, all eternal, all share the same attributes. All three persons of the Trinity being co-equal were involved in creating all things. Paul put it this way, for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. John declares, all things were made through him, Christ, and without him nothing was made that was made. John 1, 3 and Hebrews 1, 2. Moses tells us about the Holy Spirit. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 2 of Genesis 1. We'll pick that up next week. As we look at what about the gap theory? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of Christians believe the gap theory. The only gap is between their teeth maybe. But there's no gap theory in Genesis. Okay? At all. Psalm 104.30 says, You send forth your spirit. They are created. Bara. And you renew the face of the earth. God as the creator is separated from his creation. God is not a tree, a mountain, the sea, or the universe. God is not limited to, nor is he less than his creation. God is not dependent, 
but independent of his creation. God is greater than his creation, controlling and holding all things together in creation. Colossians 1.17 tells us. All things consist, held together in him. The God of creation spoke things into existence. That's God's declaration. I find that much easier to believe than the process of evolution. The evidence around us confirms the record of God. The evidence around us contradicts the religion of evolution, as we'll see. You have to just embrace it, memorize it, and repeat it like a parrot without passing it through your critical thinking. Because if you think critically, you find holes in it. Real simple at the beginning. How did it all start? What caused it? If there was a big bang, who made it? Hmm. Thirdly, the totality of creation is given to us here. The declaration is a matter of fact. God Elohim created the heavens. The word heavens is in the plural because there are three heavens described in the scriptures. The first heaven where the birds fly. God said, let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. Chapter 1 verse 20. In one fourteen through 18, the second heaven is the stellar heavens where the sun, the moon, the stars, and the other planets exist. The third heaven is where God dwells. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4, that he was caught up to the third heaven. He calls it paradise because it was transferred there and he heard there things um, inexplicable. They can't be expressed. Uh, it would be unlawful if he tried to describe it. So the third, third heaven where God dwells. Where it is, I don't know. We usually think it's way out there. It could be right here. The eternal unseen realm, right? I don't know. Now the heavens as they're created by God he gave a protective water blanket between the first and the second heaven on the second day in chapter 1 verse 7 through 8 to filter out ultraviolet rays and neutrinos that damage our cells and they speed up our aging process. Um, the more you're exposed to the sun, cancer spots, this and that. It tears you down. The older you get. See, I just got zapped. I got all kinds of stuff on my bald head. Got them frozen. The heavens encompass all that is outside of the earth, the heavenly elements, the sun and the moon. In chapter 1, verse 4 through 5, notice on the first day, light was called forth by God, dividing the light from the darkness. They were already created, bara, in verse 1, and then God called them to be functional for the benefit and existence of the earth. In chapter 1, verse 14, on the fourth day, God made Asa, the light 
in the firmaments of the heavens to divide the day from the night and they were to be for signs, seasons, for days and years. We get our chronological time. Okay? In chapter 1, 15 and 16, they were to be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. Then God made Asa two great lights. The greater light to rule a day the lesser light to rule the night. By the way, the sun is a light generator. The moon is a light reflector. It doesn't give light. It reflects light. Okay? We know that perfectly. Then you have the stars in chapter 1, verse 16. He made the stars also. And in 17 and 18, the summary statement follows that God set all three of them in the firmaments of the heavens for the benefit of the earth and finishes with the statement, and God saw that it was good. The phrase, God saw that it was good, is repeated every time it has direct benefit to man on the earth. On the first, the third, the fourth, and the fifth day. Verse 4, 10, 12, 18, 21, 25. God created this whole world for you, for me, for mankind. The first day parallels the fourth day, the lights. Galaxies and everything else in the visible universe is included. Nothing existed prior to this. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. You've got... Um, Genesis 1 to Genesis 12, Abraham, 2,000 years. From Genesis 12 to the Psalms, you've got about another 1,000 years. So after 3,000 years, man still believed God created. <laughs> They're still writing about it. Interesting. Now the declaration was again, as a matter of fact, God Elohim created the earth. Look now at Genesis 1, verse 9 and 10. The third day God divided the waters from the land. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. He's showing you day by day what he's doing. In chapter 1, verse 11 through 13, the second distinct act took place on the third day. God brought forth the grass, the herbs, the fruit trees. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herbs, the yield seed, and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind. There it is again. Whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herbs, that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the third day. The third day parallels the sixth day 
land, animals, and man. Then we have the fifth day in chapter 1, verse 20 through 23. God created the sea life and the, um, the fowl of the air. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created bara out of nothing. Great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply in the earth. So the evening and the morning were of the fifth day. The second day parallels the fifth day, the sky, the birds and the fish. Then we have the sixth day, verse 24 through 27 of chapter 1. God created the cattle, creeping thing, and the beasts of the field, each according to their kind, and the second and distinct act of creation from the animal kingdom. He created man after the image and likeness of God. This was the sixth day. Again, the phrase, God saw that it was good, is repeated every time. It has a direct benefit to man on the earth on the first, third, fourth, and fifth day. Verse 4, 10, 12, 18, 21, and 25. God is being purposely very repetitive and confirming so that you can follow what he did. But on the sixth day, God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, listen, it was very good. He upped it now. From good to very good. Chapter 1, verse 31. Man was the crowning glory of God's creation as he gave him dominion over all the complete and finished work of creation. Chapter 1, verse 28 through 30. Paul put it this way. By him, Christ, all things were created that are in heaven and earth. Visible, invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Colossians 1.16 The sun is so large that if it were hollow, it could contain more than one million worlds the size of our earth. There are stars in space so large that they could easily hold 500 million suns the size of ours. There are about 100 billion stars in the average galaxy, and there are at least 100 million galaxies in the known universe. Do you think we evolved? Do you think it was all from an explosion? If your house blew up tonight before you got home, would you expect a brand new home to come out of it? Of course not. For there to be design, there has to be a designer. The evolutionists believe that we are the product of billions of years on a long process of transitional forms going from the simple to the complex. Yet, that is not enough. There is not enough time for just a simple cell 
to come about by random chance because if you have studied the simple cell, it's not so simple. <laughs> With microbiology now, evolution is dead, but it continues to be proclaimed to be the religion of the human race. Wow. Peter identifies them as those who are scoffers and willingly ignorant, not ignorant, but willingly ignorant of God's revelation. Listen to Second Peter 3, 3 through 7. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, uh, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That's the, uni the philosophy of uniformitarianism right there. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. They deny it. God says, I killed everybody under judgment. Evolution says, that's evolution. <laughs> really. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Everything we see is going to burn up at the end of the thousand years. Gone. New heaven, new earth. Evolution dates back to the ancient Greeks. Aristotle was an evolutionist, 384 to 322 B.C. The first complete theory was by one chevalier, de Lamarck, in 1744 to 1829, and became the professor of zoology at the Museum of National History in Paris. That figures. Late, later, Darwin captured the whole world's attention, having de developed the theory as none other person. Because we didn't have the detailed scientific knowledge. They were just generalities. The belief is a rejection of divine revelation. The philosophy of uniformitarianism. Which clearly described by Peter as I just read. Nothing new under the sun. They chose to mock at the idea of a creator instead of believing that God created. They rather believe that we came from apes when if you really study the biology and the whole physiology, we're closer to the frog than the ape. So we took a turn, a wrong turn somewhere, I guess. Amazing. They reject the fact that God judged the world in the flood and they use the fossil record to prove evolution rather than interpreting the fossil evidence as the proof of God's sudden cataclysmic judgment. Every mountain in the world has sea sediment on top of it. Whether it be Shells, dead fish, whatever. How'd they get there? 
the only way I know is water had to cover all of them. Then they were thrusted up with isostases, the weight of land mass and water mass. As the valleys subsided, the mountains uplifted after the flood. Simple. Animals are thrust into one cave. Animals that are not natural uh, cohabitors. As they were thrust in there by the force of water. All over the world. The evolutionary hypothesis, and that's what it is, is based on illogical general associations that are the fabricated imagination of atheists and God-haters. They have no room for God. It's not an option. There has never been found, listen to me carefully, those of you who go to universities, there has never been found one transitional fossil, nor are fossils being made throughout the world today. But they have falsified many to keep their grant funds and teach the religion of evolution in public schools. Now let me qualify when I say there is no transitional evidence in the fossil record. Mutations. Mutations do appear in species on the horizontal, but never on evolving into another form, the vertical. A cat never has become a dog, nor has a monkey, a man or a man, a monkey. In other words, we have transitional forms from and micro, but not from micro to macro. Okay, the horizontal, the vertical. The horizontal, they're all species of cat. The vertical is the different kinds of animal. The micro is the horizontal. The macro is the different distinct kinds, okay? So there's never been, and by the way, all mutations, listen to me, are inferior, never superior. Biology 101, fruit flies, bzz, you have 10, 15 generations real fast. They're all inferior, never superior. Wow. True science and its laws refute evolution, for evolution cannot be reproduced or observed in the laboratory or in life. Basic definition of science. Some that's observable and can be duplicated. No one's ever observed evolution. It cannot be duplicated in the lab. Wow. Let me give you some of the fraudulent hoax of evolution. In 1891, a Dutch physician named Du Bois discovered a skull cap and three teeth. And by the way, some of these things are still taught in universities today. A year later, 90 feet or so from the same place, he found a molar bone a femur bone, I'm sorry, thigh, and he put them both together and came up with Pythacropus man, erectus, erect man, or Java man. Just put them together like that. It's found to be a hoax. Two years after, in, 19, in 1898, a premolar tooth was added, and out of these three came Java man, said to be 500,000 years old. 
before his death, he convinced most it was an ape. In 1912, a part of a skull and a jawbone produced pit-down man, 500 years old, but found to be completely a forgery 41 years later. 1922, the tooth was found in Nebraska, and from it, an entire man was created and published in the London Illustrated News. 1927, it was found to be a pig's tooth. Then in 1950, it was checked for fluoride content and proved the jaw to be no older than the year found in the skull a few thousand years, not 500,000 years. It was noted also that the bones had been treated with iron salts to make them appear older and teeth had been filed. These guys call themselves scientists. They're liars. They need money for their f programs. Orsman, found in the southern Spain town in Ors in eight, 1982, and hailed as the oldest fossilized human remains ever found in Europe. One year later, officials admitted the skull fragment was not human, but probably came from a four-month-old donkey, what they were. Scientists have said the skull be belonged to a 17-year-old man who lived 900,000 to 1.6 million years ago. By the way, you remember Mount St. Helens exploded? When they tried to date that, they say it was billions of years. It was just happened just a few years afterwards. So much for their dating factors, carbon-14 and radioactive dating. Brontosaurus, one of the best-known dinosaurs in books and museums for the past 100 years. Brontosaurus never really existed. The dinosaur skeleton was found with the head missing. To complete it, a skull found three or four miles away was added. No one knew this for years. The body actually belonged to a species of uh, Diplodocus, and the head was from the Apatosaurus. Amazing. These guys know this. Zoologist Dan Eric Nielsen says, listen carefully, Darwin acknowledged from the start that the eye would be a difficult case for his new theory to explain. Difficult but not impossible. Scientists have come up with the scenario through which the first eye-like structure, a light-sensitive pigmented spot on the skin, could have gone through changes and complexities to form the human eye with its many parts and astonishing abilities. Listen. Through natural selection, different types of eyes have emerged in the evolutionary history. And the human eye isn't even the best one for some, uh, from some standpoint because blood vessels run across the surface of the retina instead of beneath it. It's easy for the vessels to proliferate or leak and impair vision. So the evolution theorists say 
The anti-evolution argument that life was created by an intelligent designer doesn't hold water. If God or some other omnipotent force was responsible for the human eye, it was something of a botched design. Wow. Amazing. These guys have PhDs. The whole geological column is fabricated. It only exists in your textbooks. Nowhere is it lined up like that on the earth consistently all the way through. But what it does attest to is cataclysm in the past. Sudden burial under much pressure. The Bible calls it the flood of Noah judgment. Dr. White, British scientist, in his book, A Little on Living Fish, said, I have often thought how little I should like to prove organic evolution in a court of law. <laughs> the record of divine creation meets with the requirements of science, by the way. Time, in the beginning. Cause, God created Space, the heavens, matter, the earth, force, the spirit, first motion, moved or hovered. <laughs> Genesis 1 and 2 is very scientific. In the early 80s, a professor at Berkeley came up with a solution for the transition of forms. He said, quote, that a snake laid an egg and a bird flew out of it. Not quite scientific, but um, they published it. Amazing. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14.1. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Revelation 4.11 says. Wow. Paul the Apostle says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for the glory which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory in 1 Corinthians 2, 7 through 8. The totality of creation means everything in the heavens and the earth. The opening verse of Genesis is a declarative statement of the entire creation of the cosmos. By the time of creation, which was the beginning of time as we know it, temporal. The God of creation who spoke things into existence in the totality of creation, which means everything in the heaven and the earth. God's not trying to convince you. He's declaring it to you. I created everything. Lord, we thank you for your grace, your love and goodness. We love you. We thank you. We pray you deal with our hearts and those who are listening over the radio and Lord, those who are listening over the internet. Lord, someone doesn't know you. They would call on your name that you died for them. You rose from the dead. You're able to forgive them of their sins. If you're here, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins, to call on his name. As he took the earth that was without form and void, so is your life. So was my life. And as I called on his name, he forgave me. 
and he brought meaning to my life as he will with yours. God requires repentance if you desire for God to save you and to forgive you because you believe that he is the creator and the savior of the world. This is your prayer right now, right where you sit. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.